What's up, listeners, and welcome to the Learn Lab podcast. In this episode, we talk to Connor McCarthy. This is almost like three episodes in one, being that Connor has had a unique and exciting career path so far. He's a former software engineer turned creator of Ireland's largest live festival called City Spectacular. And now he's a business coach. Connor's background, experiences, and knowledge is super diverse. This gives us a unique glimpse into the work of three career roles. Connor is a truly generous builder and shares so many good insights in this conversation. So before we jump in, if you're enjoying the Learn Lab podcast, please rate it and share it on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. Feel free to get in touch through commenting or sharing podcast guest ideas or recommendations. All right, let's get started. All right, Connor McCarthy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great to be here, Adam. Yeah, thank you. So Connor is over in uh, Ireland, Dublin, and I'm over here in good old New Jersey, USA. And it's Saturday morning for me and a Saturday afternoon for him. And this is the power of technology and we love it. Connor is a former software engineer turned marketing event director, now business coach. Connor, why don't you take us back to... uh, the early stages of your career and when you decided to jump into software engineering and, you know, either the decision-making or the choice to go to university or straight to a boot camp or however it was for you back then, um, you know, paint the picture for, for the listener, um, for how you decided upon that as your first initial part of your career path. Sure. Um, so I think growing up, I was always a bit of a, uh, a hands-on kind of techie fixer builder kind of kid cool. um, building tree houses building lego you name it it was like I, I spent a lot of time outdoors making things um and i think you know in my teenage years so i was a te- like i was born in 1979 so my teenage years were you know kind of start of when computers started to get smaller and more powerful and more accessible mm-hmm. so i um I, I kind of hit this cro- crossroad uh, in the Irish education system where I had to make a choice about what I wanted to study in college. And I remember thinking, God, this is a big deal because on one end, I was really uh, kind of engineering minded. I was really techie. I loved all that stuff. Yeah. And on the other side, I loved movies and I kind of, I loved reading and books and the kind of more creative or artistic end of things. And I remember being torn. I remember looking at two courses. One was uh, an IT degree in a college here in Dublin. And the other was a filmmaking course uh, in another college. I ended up asking my mom and it was kind of like, you know, mom, I don't know what to do. And she was like, well, you know, you can do one now and you can do one later and this kind of stuff. And like, she was helpful, but I still had to make the decision. So I ended up doing the engineering, the, the kind of the, the IT road, um, partly out of just sheer kind of, I, I felt like it was a grown up decision thing to do. This feels like more of a solid career path right. than anything else. And, you know, looking back, I am really glad that I did that degree. And I, I know I'm, I'm throwing in the word engineer a lot because I think my ability to problem solve and create and formalize and structure and that kind of stuff comes from that degree. And I don't, I might've gotten it in a different way through a film career but I'm not sure I would have gotten it as fast. Mm. So, I mean, look, I still like, I, I was, you know, I did it in college, but I, I like in truth, I spent most of my time in the drama department 
and in the, the video society and all, all the other places that I, I kind of maybe wished that I was studying. So, um, so I, you know, I ended up, I ended up doing that. And I suppose it's being the computer guy is something that's followed me in everything I've done after college. I, um, well, actually just before I left college, I did a master's in, in it and music education. And that was, I kind of, that was a bit of an accident how that came about, but that was one of those turning points in my life where I was actually able to bring a kind of more creative side into software engineering, which I'd never really thought possible before. I thought it was all about building, you know, it was all about mainframes and Linux and all this kind of stuff. Whereas this was teaching kids how to learn music without notation. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating. It was really like, oh, this is the the soft side of things, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and so it was really interesting to get exposed to that. Um, then when I left college, I, st- I went, I was, I was writing software and there was a moment, uh, there was a moment, a, a huge turning point in my career was when I found practical philosophy. Um, I, st- I did a course in practical philosophy when I was 24 and it just kind of blew my mind open. It made me go, whoa, I have been head down software engineering, loving the software engineering, but definitely in a bubble for a few years now. And there's so much more out there in the world to think about and to experience. And that was a turning point for me because I kind of went, what else could I do? Hmm. Um, And I ended up getting into the festivals business with a a good friend of mine. And we started one of the, one of the most popular, it's still going to this day. It's the second biggest outdoor family festival in Ireland. Um, It was called the street performance world championship. Now it's called city spectacular. So that's, um, that was a total career left turn, you know, going from computers into live events there was a surprising amount of crossover, uh, especially my role within within the festival's job. Um, but yeah, it was, it was surprising how much I didn't know <laughs> in a new industry, which also was kind of to my benefit, I guess. Um, and then that started a 12, 13 year stint doing festivals, festivals wow. and events. Yeah. Wow, that's super cool. So yeah, I mean, there's, you know, such unique, like, combination of of career and skills in there i mean i I just want to like highlight i mean to me it seems like there's a lot you know correct me correct me if my understanding and thinking is wrong but you know it or software engineering very much uh logical algorithmic thinking you know the skills that you know we talk about with or i talk about with our students that are learning let's just what they call it coding you know but they're learning that basics of algorithmic thinking you know, I'm talking elementary, middle grades, right? And then, you know, you did more advanced, you know, beyond that, you're building something from scratch, probably, you know, from taking an idea from conception to, uh, you know, an actual product that you can see and touch and experience on a, on the device. And then blending that with the creativity that you find in just creating and playing music um, which is also like very mathematical and logical oriented as well. Um, but again, that combination piece there of logical thinking and creative thinking is, I, I'd say it's a, a fascinating uh, mix of left brain, right brain work. And and then later, uh, you know, I'd be curious to hear you talk about um, what was that crossover of skills that you found that were valuable to you in uh or that you learned and worked on in software engineering and then that became 
super important in your leading of a marketing um and or excuse me an events director you know essentially like mm-hmm. what and for you know so i guess i said two things there you know so a you know is my understanding incorrect on on the combination of creativity and logical thinking or is it you know is it, am i almost correct on that or you know what's your thought on that um a couple of things spring to mind i remember one of my lectures in 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 a program in one of programming java was uh his mantra was design hard code easy and I, I don't think I'd ever heard the word design used before in terms of software. Mm. I thought you just wrote software. Here's the problem, figure it out, write it, and it works or it doesn't. If it doesn't work, you iterate, do it again. But he was very much a kind of like, no, 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 good, and good software starts with a pen and paper. And this kind of blew me away, this approach. And his whole thing about design hard, code easy was, you know, once you get the design right, once you figure it out kind of in your head or on paper, then writing the code is the easy bit. And until then, I thought writing the code was the hard bit. I had it totally backwards. And that kind of broadened out for me in lots of ways where I kind of, you know, even to jump forward into, into uh, festival work, where it was like, if a problem was coming our way, let's say it's sponsorship or um, <clears throat> some kind of a, a big production issue, it was almost um, a sense of like, well, what's the really hard part here? You know, it was a hard part of production putting out tents and setting up stages? Or is it actually the design, like the feeling that we want people to have when they come into the event? And of course, it's the feeling we want people to have. Right. And the easy part is putting up the tents and the stages and all that kind of stuff. Right, right. So it's interesting how that translated over. And the other thing I thought about a lot after, after that um, moment of, of kind of design hard code easy was how it's, you know, they call them programming languages for a reason. And in my master's, I touched on linguistics a little bit. Um, you know, the, the programming language, whatever it is, C or Python or JavaScript or whatever, yes, it's, you know, it's a very technical framework for, for creating an artifact, but it is also a language. You have to translate problems into solutions using this language, like the way we do with the English language. You know, mm-hmm. how do you turn the images in your head Mm-hmm. into something that I can say to you and to your listeners, and then you get also get an image in your head of what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So there's a fascinating it's um, kind of crossover there where mm-hmm. we go from the intangible to the tangible back to the intangible, mm-hmm. if you like. And so programming languages to me are another way to do that. They're another kind of a, a brushstroke to be able to do that. Right. Um, and on a, on a very practical level, just problem solving. Software engineering is problem solving. Design is problem solving. And being able to do that with the festival was hugely helpful because when we started the festival, we had no idea what we were doing. We didn't, I had to Google what PR was. You know, how do you do performer contracts? How do you run a live event? What about the, all the paperwork? You know, how do you raise money? There was a thousand things. And there was a thousand and one things we got wrong, but we got enough stuff right that it worked um but the kind of i suppose the a lot a lot of people started coming to me in that time like we won a couple of entrepreneur of the year awards and people started coming to us looking for advice on like how do i set up my business and of course a lot of people came to us saying well i want to start a festival for xyz and the first thing that i would always advise would be always to consider it as a festival business Mm -hmm. you will have no festival unless you have a business and you may love 
oysters or cheese or beer or whatever your festival content is, that may be your thing and that's great, but it will never be a viable business unless you deal with the admin, the accounting, mm-hmm. the paperwork, the, you know, the, the boring but necessary side of things. Mm-hmm. So like, like everything in life, it's all, it's all a balance and it's about getting that, getting that right. Yeah. That's awesome. Good, good. Uh, yeah. Just, just so many good points there and, and the way you've connected the dots for us on that. Um, so, you know, I guess, I, I guess I'm curious, you know, to hear what your life or your work life was like as, um, you know, a software engineer. I mean, you've had a, you know, an, a nice career path so far, a couple different pivots and, you know, you've done, uh, you're doing something new ta- now too, which w- I'd like to get to, you know, but um, for those that are curious about, and, you know, it's almost like you're three interviews in one right now, Connor, you know, this is pretty uh, generous of you, right? You know, so what was your work and your day to day kind of work life uh, like as a, as a software engineer? So as a software engineer, it was my first job out of college. So I was definitely low on the ladder and the ladder wasn't even that long to begin with. It was a very small company. There's only three of us. And the benefit of a small company is that you are literally privy to everything that's happening. You know, if there's, you know, three people, that's one office. That means the whiteboards on the walls, that's everything. There isn't Mm -hmm. like a, on the fifth floor, they're talking about some master plan that you know nothing about. It's like, no, right. there's there's the whole design of the system right there. So, yeah, I mean, and, t- and talking about getting your hands dirty, I was doing everything from interface design through through to the whole back-end security, uh, all this, all, the, the, just the gamut, and, and, t- and learning on the fly, yeah. uh, making lots and lots of mistakes, but, but just doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, a, I think, no matter what, no matter what the task, doing it, you can't go wrong by doing it. Doing it always works, always. Um, even if even if mistakes are made, it's like they won't be made again, hopefully. So my day-to-day was, and it's a cliche to say every day was different, but it kind of was. I could be coding up, you know, coding up some module to do with security or customer relationship management or something. And then I could be figuring out ways to make a, um, a user entry form look nicer. Um, so yeah, lots, lots of little things. The days, the days were long. I mean, <laughs> I didn't have kids, <laughs> I didn't, you know, I didn't have a partner right then. And I was doing, oh, the minimum day was 12, 13 hours. Oh, wow. Some days, if it came up to a deadline, it was definitely, you're sleeping in the office kind of stuff. Wow. So, um, yeah, but God, I, like, I wouldn't trade it. I, as I said earlier, I lived in a bubble. It was a lovely bubble to be in. It was nice. fascinating. Yeah. Nice. Cool. And so, you know, you 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 still are the director of the you know the events um, company that you work for and um, you know I believe you're also you know a business coach and and you help people you know so uh, you know how that spin out and and I guess like how do you manage uh, you know doing both the work of being an events director and and a business coach um, and and all the other things that you might uh, be doing. Being a being a dad too, you know, and family person, you know, and so it's its own. Dadding is its own type of work. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, you not. <laughs> yeah, no, no, totally. It's uh, so the festival work. Um, so the festival this year, I'm just trying to think. I think it's full fifteen years old this year. The company 
15 years old. Wow. So a few years ago, I myself and my business partner, we kind of stepped away from the day-to-day runnings of the festival because we'd built it to a point um, where we had assembled this amazing team around us and that team are still there doing it. So I'm still involved. Like my, my, my heart is still in it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't do a lot, a lot of the day-to-day running um, of things. So, um, so that for me is kind of, that's part of what I do now, but the, the bulk of what I do is business coaching. And I suppose that arose out of, out of the festival being approached by a lot of people who had ideas for businesses, who had existing businesses and wanted mm-hmm. a steer on something that we had figured out. Um, like I said, this, the, the festival became uh, quite well known in Ireland. We got some, um, we got some really good press over the yeah. years um, and being a public event, you know, you're reaching hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. It's amazing. So yeah. So a lot of people kind of know about it. Um, so I was getting approached a lot by people just looking for, yeah, you know, help with things. So I kind of formalized that into a, what started out as a, a bit of a consultancy, which is like giving people answers mm-hmm. and that morphed into coaching, which is helping people find their own answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's what really started to, to light me up. And that's what I've been doing the last couple of years. So there is, there is, you know, with, with some things, when some things go away, other things kind of merge, it's creating space for them. And this is, yeah, the coaching is, is what I'm doing right now full time. That's great. So what is, what is that day to day look like for you now um, mm. as a uh, business coach? So um, I'll get really practical for a moment because I think I know, I know an awful lot of people who work for themselves and it is, mm. it's, it's the norm. I think the yeah. statistics about the number of people who do freelance work in, in the US, it's like, it's huge and growing every year. Yep. Um, and what I'm seeing as a coach, I'm getting a lot of people coming to me talking about the structure of their days, the structure of their weeks and months, uh, motivation, this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, so just for a moment to get really practical, like I am very, um, I put a lot of emphasis on planning my weeks and months. Mm-hmm. Like on a Sunday, I will spend at least an hour planning my next week because the worst thing you can do is wake up on a Monday or a Tuesday or any day and go, what am I doing today? Yeah. It's, it's, it's so important. Yeah. And, and second to that is kind of going, what do I want to get done this month? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if, you're, if your window of um, work time is too small, you might not be addressing the big issues. You mm-hmm. might not be planning well enough. So yeah. I literally plan I kind of break my day into two. This might be helpful for people to do. I break my day into two. There's a great essay by a guy called Paul Graham, um, who's, who's founded Y Combinator, or he's involved with Y Combinator. And it's called Maker Morning, Manager Afternoon. And I mean, you, you probably don't need to read the entire essay. You can figure out his whole thing is like, do creative work in the morning. Don't check email before 12. Sit down if you need to with a pen and paper and create things. Then in the afternoon, there's plenty of time for, well, admin, you know, checking your mail, paying your bills, you know, getting back to emails, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, so I try and do that as much as possible. I try and figure out how I can, in, in the mornings, how I can best serve uh, the clients that I'm working with. Uh, and also, how do I find or create more clients? Um, and yeah, and then in the afternoons, I do all the other paperwork and bits and pieces that accumulate. Um, I also try and do dedicated days of coaching in person, whether that's sorry, on Zoom or in person, you know, mm-hmm. like face-to-face. So let's say Thursdays and Fridays are all in person and I kind of batch those meetings together. Mm-hmm. So just to break up the week so the days aren't too um, kind of ramshackle a bit all over the place with 
laptop work in-face work zoom work you know I try yeah, to, yeah yeah you're shifting from one gear to another and doing yeah, yeah, different, yeah. different yeah. kinds of work back and forth yeah i mean and even the the uh concept of you know not letting email drive your work you know i you know definitely experienced that too you know um you know i mean there might be teachers listening to this or teachers becoming administrators you know i know this is geared towards students and whatnot but i mean just to share the similar sentiments is, you know, when I went from teaching to administrator role, you know, around a school district, you know, my uh, day went from here's the schedule of the classes that you're going to teach to now here's a, here's a day, you know, you're here, you know, eight Mm. plus hours, Mm. you know, get your work done. Right. You know, so it was, it was, you know, I had some experience, um, prior to teaching. So, you know, uh, a couple of years in environmental industry. So I was able to draw from some of those skills of like planning my day, you know, it wasn't fully just, you know, I wasn't just drowning in that. I kind of figured it out pretty quickly. And, um, you know, today I use some, some of those things though, where, you know, I have technology help me, you know, Google calendar is amazing. You know, I can literally plan out my month. Like you're saying, my day gets planned out. Um, I've started occasionally, I probably should do it more, but, um, you know, I know people need to get in touch with me often, but I occasionally use the, uh, feature of inbox pause, you know? So like I emails yeah. come to me at noon, 8am noon. And then again at three thirty, four 4pm, you know, and I address them in batches, like you're saying, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to stick to that, you know, when I'm also, you know, not to talk about my work, but you know, I end up, you know, I, I try to be responsive to, to people though too. So it's, you know, a little, it's a delicate balance there. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, a congrats on having a, you know, an event that's kind of uh, running in the background, you know, um, and, and still being a part of it though, be, you know, by way of passion and interest and, you know, making something for others to, to share and come, come together, you know, that's super exciting. And, you know, I guess, you know, for the entrepreneur, you know, the budding entrepreneur, the budding freelancer, or, you know, I guess a person who's into that kind of uh, work, creating something new uh, for others. I think, you know, what I hear among other people and other podcasts that I listen to, you know, it's, it's about surrounding, you know, part of it is your ideas, of course, you know, and collaborating with others and designing for others and who's it for and, you know, using all the elements of design thinking. Um, but how, how did you go about the, the part of like, uh, you know, radical collaboration and bringing in, you know, people to help your work, uh, continue without you necessarily having to get, uh, you know, or appropriately, I don't want to say like you're pulling out of the work and not doing it, but how do you, you know, to appropriately be involved in the work, right? So, you know, experts can come in, right. And you don't have to get into weeds on a accounting or financial planning or the event location scouting. If you're changing that stuff, you know, I mean, so what are you involved in still, if you'd want to share that and how did you surround yourself with the people that have strengths, you know, cause again, I always refer to like the concept of it, you know, the smartest person in the room is, collectively the room, right? It's all the people that come together and you picking the right people to help uh, move the project along um, or in your case, an event along and have it run. 
So how, how did you work on that piece of like building a team? Uh, it's a great question because in the early days, excuse me, of the festival, there was no team. There's myself, my business partner, and we did everything. Right. right. You know, we we didn't get paid at all for about two years. Like we, um, classic bootstrapping story. Right. Um, and we made the event, and you know, we necessarily had to bring on people to help us do things like production, like um, PR and marketing, that kind of stuff. Once we could afford it, we started to, you know meet people and right. get introduced to people. Now, the, the, the team that now run it are just amazing individuals. Is, um, the, the, kind of, the head producer is, is a woman called Michelle, and she, funnily enough, started out as a volunteer. Then just a, we have a couple hundred volunteers at the festivals every year. She started as a volunteer, then she became a performer liaison, so she was dealing solely with the performers. Then she became our, I think it was a PR assistant, so helping we had a PR company and she was helping them execute the PR plan. Then she became our PR manager. So she was doing it all. And she was just so good at every turn. It was kind of like, we just kept giving her more work and she was so capable. And the funny thing was, it was like, there was myself, my business partner. I think we were slowly being replaced by one fantastic woman, which says a lot. Um, so when the, when the time came where we kind of went, you know, maybe we've reached a natural limit as to our enthusiasm for the work. Mm-hmm. We loved the festival, didn't want to see it go away, but knew that we weren't, our days of being as creative as we were, maybe were, were out, you know, mm-hmm. and that there was parts of it that we still liked doing, but lots of it that we weren't the best people to do it. It's like mm-hmm. the Jim Collins thing, you know, get, get the right people on the bus in the right seat. Mm-hmm. Like we felt like those seats didn't belong to us anymore. So we, we had to get good people in. So Michelle was an obvious choice to kind of go, you know, are you, do you, is this something you want to do? And here's, when you, when you actually start to write down the work you do in any job, it's, A, it's difficult, but B, you realize how much stuff you do almost unconsciously. Mm. You know, relationships that you've developed that if you were to hand them over, they can be difficult to hand over. I was, the relationships for me are always the, um, the hardest, the most valuable part of a business, but the hardest one to transfer, if you like. Um, so, yes, yeah, so building that team and... Then, you know, we, we found a sponsorship manager called Sinead and she's fantastic. And then Michelle brought on an assistant, Vicky, and a couple, of, a couple of others. And yeah, it just, you know, there was no, I'd like to say that it was a definite plan of, right, we need to delegate these tasks and we need to go and find the right person. But we were very lucky that Michelle kind of organically came up through the ranks of the festival and she's brilliant. We, you know, we made her a director of the company um, and she's fantastic. So yeah, I mean, I still love doing the the big blue sky thinking. You know, every year we do have to kind of reinvent the festival to some degree. So whether that's the type of performers we we attract or big new additions to the festival, like you know, do we want to introduce a food village? Do we want to bring you know kind of funfair amusements? Do we want to do a world record? We did a ton of world record years ago, which got us that's a lot of press. We haven't done it in a couple of years, but that's always on the table. So there's lots of kind of big picture thinking, I guess, that I'm, I'm still a, a part of. And, and yeah, always the relationships with the sponsors. That's always, you know, making sure they're happy and making sure that we're always kind of do, doing the best we can for them. That's really cool. You say, uh, you're, you're very humble too. You can, t- you can tell. That's, it's uh, amazing that uh, you created that and formed the team and brought on the right people and, you know, relinquished uh, the reins to, to Michelle. Um, 
so being that you're uh, having conversations with lots of uh, people in different industries, um, what do you what are you noticing today about the future of work? Mm, that is a really good question, and <clears throat> what I'm seeing, I'm seeing the uh, people get quite nervous about the uncertainty about the future of work. Um, it doesn't often present itself like that, but once I ask a couple of questions, it's um, it can be it's the kind of the ducks swimming above the water and underneath is a kind of frantic what if things change and what's going to happen next and things are moving so fast. Mm -hmm. So the, and I have felt that too. I mean, it, it might sound like I just cruised from career transition to career transition, but in the middle, there were troughs. Every time there was troughs of, well, what am I doing? You know, what, what am I going to tell my parents? Uh, you know, is, you know, is this the right thing to do? I don't know. What if it fails? What if I don't make any money? So there's always uncertainty with with going out on your own be that freelancing entrepreneurship um there's probably more uncertainty now in uh what were traditionally seen as uh steady jobs mm -hmm. as things move so fast you know as remote work becomes more more popular so yeah that you know i, I try hard um in conversations with people to to talk about being comfortable with being uncomfortable mm -hmm. in a way and it's kind of this is there's um there's, a, there's, I think there's a, it takes a, a certain brave moment to be able to go, yes, it's uncomfortable, but I don't need to judge that. Mm -hmm. I don't need to wonder and think about futures that may not exist. I don't need to have the anxiety because chances are what I'm thinking about won't be the, the real issue down the line. And try to help people reframe, or sorry, no, to kind of not even reframe, to help people put that energy instead into doing the best work they can now, into taking a step, into into moving something forward. Um, it's, it's almost a cliche. It's like, you know, do a bit of work to take your mind off things. You know, that was my, my mom would say to us years ago. Uh, so yeah, always always moving because if everything around you is moving so fast, you, you also have to move and do your own thing. Yeah, that's good advice. So, I, I, you know, we, we've... Uh, talked a lot about like your like transitions and you kind of mentioned it a little bit. Um, and I guess maybe we, can we jump back and put a pin in it before we, you know, start, start to wrap up our conversation. So what were, or what was one of those tough lessons that maybe you would find valuable in sharing, you know, either on the, you certainly gave, you just gave us good advice. Um, but is there anything specific, whether in either of those career paths, uh, the, the, the software engineering industry, computer science industry, or the, you know, events industry, or even now as, as a coach and, you know, an entrepreneur for yourself, you know, have you had any tough lessons that are worth sharing? Yes. Um, I definitely have. And the, you know, I, <laughs> the the thing that just went through my head, I'll be totally honest, is a quote from John Cleese from Monty Python. And he was asked in an interview once, you know, where do you get your good ideas? And he said, I have no idea, but I know that we don't get them behind sitting behind a laptop. Um, and that, you know, not to be glib, but it's kind of I think I think it's easy to say if I if I keep checking my mail and I keep 
doing uh, things on, I don't want to go down a social media rabbit hole, but if I basically sit and wonder behind, behind my keyboard, is maybe that's the work I need to do. When the harder work, but by far the most fruitful work, is to literally close the laptop and go and have conversations and talk to people and get it wrong and get it wrong until you get it right. Um, it, it's, it's so strange to me that it's becoming... I, I sometimes suggest this to people and they get a look of like, what is what? Like, don't send an email. What do you mean? Talk to people. Like, how do you, it's like, you know, people are out there. People want to help. People want to hear from you. If you've got a product or a service that you really feel will help someone, then they need it. You've got to get out there and meet them. The, the digital stuff that can all happen later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to be, you got to go human to human first. So I always suggest to people, who do you know? Who can you talk to? And who, can, who do those people know? And get out there and keep, keep working like that. Especially one of the best things we did when we started the festival, myself and my partner, Mark, we were like, how do we, we don't know anyone at all in the events business. We're, and we're two young guys who have no experience. So how do we build a network? So every person we met for a coffee or for a bit of advice, we, we asked them to introduce us to three more people. And then we asked those three to introduce us to three more. And very quickly, we knew Dublin is a small city. We knew tons of the right people, but and conversely, people were people knew about us. So when we were going to have coffee, it's like, oh yeah, you're the guys at the festival, and so it all kind of built on itself. But like very little of that was to do with some awesome website that we built. Actually, it definitely was nothing to do with an awesome website we built because our websites weren't that good in the early days. Um, it was it was all about the relationships mm-hmm. and. That's easy to say. Relationships are hard, but they're the most important part of any business. Yeah. Good advice there. Thanks for sharing that. Mm. So if uh, a student were interested or a younger person were interested in this type of career path or um, not even the career path, just I get, you can even go general, like in building up their repertoire of skills and their quote unquote portfolio or resume, what kind of work or project or authentic experience would you suggest for a a young person to get out there and, you know, do the work, um, to, to test, you know, either an idea or to just build up that experience of like, aha, this is what I like doing or, or, under do the work so then they experience i don't really like doing this and then they can make better decisions about what their next uh step in the career path is going to be this is a really great question and uh i think back to when the very first year of the festival and there was a moment there was a couple of months where it looked like it wasn't going to happen and we'd worked for over a year at this point like blood sweat and tears the works and because of funding reasons, it was like, this might not happen. And I called my brother, who's older and wiser, and I said this to him, and I was like, I'm so bummed. And he said, look, even if you put on a, a tiny event in your back garden and you invite five people and they come, that's something. That's a success. You, you ran an event and you have something to show. And then you get to do it again. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost a Seth Godin-ism that I, that I learned, whatever, 15, 16 years ago. Um, and that's super important. I think a lot of people now will, you know, it, it would be easy for me to say, if you want to work in events, go and volunteer at events. I, I, I do actually recommend that. Go work in events, see what it's like behind the scenes, talk 
make make connections, develop relationships. If it's something you want to do, it, it'll be some of the best um, time you spend. But if you want to one-up that, create your own event. And like I said, it can be something in your back garden. It, you know, if cheese is your thing, host, host a cheese party once a month and, and grow that into some, you know, it doesn't have to be the Coachella of cheese. Yeah. Uh, although that would be hilarious. Um, but just do something so that when the right people come along, you're able to kind of go, oh yeah, I've been doing this for ages. I'm a total, I'm, I, you know, I've learned, I've learned to, how to do this by doing it, not by reading about it. And I'm very au fait with doing the work. Mm-hmm. And I think that really results is what people need now. And I'm, I'm dreaming of the day when I get a CV uh, on the desk for some job at the festival. And it's like, it has no experience. It has, sorry, it has no qualifications. It doesn't have any bullet lists. It just has stories about results because that those stories speak volumes. Yeah. That's interesting that you've brought up uh, resumes or CVs, you know, and the, uh, you know, the, the bullet list versus like a, a portfolio of things you've done and results you've created and people you've impacted, you know, and it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's such a different way, um, you know, that I've thought about too, you know, and like how, um, people show and share their work, you know, it's just, it's, it's interesting to like list skills, right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and things you've done like in the day to day, right. Versus, um, or it's actually underwhelming when you list it like that versus look at what I've built, look what I've done, look who I've impacted. Um, look what I've tested, look at maybe even the story behind it is maybe that didn't work. Right. There was, I tried this and it, it might've been a failure, but, uh, in the sense of the word, but it was still like successful in that you learned a lot from it, you know? Um, so super interesting. Um, I like yeah, that. I have a lot to think about in terms of resume, a lot to say in terms of resumes as well. I think, I think you're spot on just, uh, you know, like I said earlier about linguistics, we, you know, we speak in words, but we think in images. Mm. And when you consider your audience, the audience of your resume, the person you're looking for the job from, what's the image in their head of you? They'll see a bullet list. That's really hard to construct an image of. And in fact, it's so hard, they might go, oh, I'm exhausted within five seconds. Mm-hmm. Instead of, oh, it's, oh, this is a story now. Now I'm into it. Make yeah. it your own little odyssey. Yeah, that's awesome. Great advice, Connor. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share before we uh, wrap up? Um. You know, one thing that I was, I was thinking about the other day was how, you know, there's, I think I'm not a sports person. This is a weird, weird way to, to come towards the end of this. I'm not a sports person, but um, I think there's a lot to be gleaned about from sports about very important topics like uh, leadership and teamwork and that kind of stuff. So sometimes it can be, it doesn't have to be your work that teaches you the most. It can actually be a really strong hobby that you can mm-hmm. pick up some really good life skills from. Like, it's, I know tons of people who say they're bad at maths, but ask them about baseball scores and they are brilliant at maths. Right. So, you know, it's all about what you're interested in. And yeah, I think there's lessons to be picked up everywhere. I can, uh, you know, not to go down the rabbit hole on that, but I can certainly relate um, in that uh, upon my reflections, I often can 
think of a lot of lessons and skills that I've gained from uh, my passion and hobby and life of surfing. And it's, mm. you know, it's surfing is like such a, like often seen as like a um, unathletic lifestyle, like, you know, flaky kind of uh, person, you know, or whatever drops everything for, to go ride some waves, you know, and, you know, in fact, if you want to be successful, you can't really break commitments and drop everything and go live at the beach and travel the world chasing waves. I mean, professionals get to do that, but you know, to that end, I didn't have that skill. Right. But I've traveled, been able to make a life of traveling for surfing and, you know, to go experience some of the waves that, you know, have been, um, you know, are showcased in magazines and videos and things like that. And, you know, in my local area, you know, I, I, it's still part of what I do today, you know, even as a a person in a career and have a family and it's just like going to the gym, you know, I can't do it every day because I have to do it when there's waves, you know, but, um, Mm. you know, I, you know, I think of like, you know, I maintain health and fitness because I want to be able to do that. And, um, you know, the lessons I've learned from taking, uh, let's just call it what it is, wipeouts. And, and, you know, we <laughs> often call them beatings, you know, and, and just, you know, like, you know, surfing's challenging and it's an ever moving canvas and, uh, you know, you have to relax and go with the flow and be able to be comfort, comfortable with ambiguity. And, mm. you know, I think as a younger kid doing that, like I, I learned a lot of grit and perseverance because it's not something you can, you know, like a lot of like to get skilled at almost any sport or any hobby or thing, you don't just pick it up, you know, and some people are naturals and, you know, that's one thing, but, uh, you know, I think most people for anything have to persevere and, and, like you're saying, you're, there's so many underlying skills that come out of, you know, being a fan of baseball or whatever sport or whatever you're into, there's, there's things that you can learn from it, um, that can be applied to the other things you do in life. And I think that's, you know, the one thing kids and young people can start to look at and reframe and put in perspective of, you know, what am I super interested in? What do I do? What skills am I gaining by doing this? If I just keep on, doing what I'm doing because I'm intrinsically motivated and passionate about it. Um, mm. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I did go down the rabbit hole on that one. A tiny <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it's a great point though. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So Connor, where can we go to learn more about you and your work um, and get it and someone can get in touch with you? Sure. Go to my website. It's connormccarthy.co. Um, yeah. That has all the details and I'd love for anyone to drop me a line, say hello, have a chat. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on today. I really appreciate it. Lots of nuggets of wisdom here. We'll be sure to get this out to everybody soon. Thank you very much, Adam. Yeah, cheers. Thanks.